You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Here we go. It's the X-Man podcast. It's your boy, Doc Coyle. How y'all living? You living You living good? You living large? Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I'm doing all right. It's, uh, it's almost three in the morning in a hotel in Amarillo, Texas. Tejas. Amarillo. And uh, knee deep in this Bad Wolves headline tour. Got about four shows left to go few days ago hit my breaking point i think all the dudes in the band hit our breaking point we were just exhausted it was every show has been like 100 degrees and uh you know these are busy long long days and um i think sharing space being amongst one another enjoying the pressures of just the 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 day-to-day you know it gets at people stresses stresses arise it's kind of interesting you know, I've been thinking about I've been thinking about what I'm going to talk about on, on on today's podcast, and I have like a few different things going on, and and some of it was inspired about what's going on on the road and kind of feeling beat down, but then something kind of bigger, kind of a bigger, broader theme kind of came to me, you know, um, about just generally seeing and experiencing and noticing people being stressed out about things and being angry. You know, um, and it made me think about what is, what is it, what are the things that we actually should be worried about or that we should be angry about? Because lately I find myself very, um, I don't know, just kind of calm and it's interesting to be a little bit dispassionate when others seem to be kind of losing it like even uh last night like some random crazy psycho dude like attacked our merch guy and our bass player and everyone else is like let's beat his ass let's kill this motherfucker and i'm just and and i'm and i feel like almost like a passenger in 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 a ride where i'm just seeing the the you know the furies of people and i don't get affected in that in that same way and me i'm only thinking about the logical way to to make sure nothing bad happens and and kind of think uh, rationally, and it, and it makes me think a little bit about 
the the state of affairs um, politically in the, in in the country because you guys know I'm the, I'm on the Twitter sphere. I, I I enjoy the rabble, and um, you get to see the tenor, right? Like so, I think what's been going on lately the the theme of the week recent week has been about civility, you know, and and there was a, a poll that went around that uh, people thought. X amount of people think we're going to, you know, we're likely to have a civil war. And, and my response was, we're kind of already in a civil war, right? But it's not a physical war. It's a, it's like a war of ideas. Um, and it's, uh, I've noticed at least on, on the left side is people are like really losing it. <laughs> like if you, if you could go, go watch uh, the latest Bill Maher and uh, Michael Moore, the uh, the liberal uh, uh, documentarians on there, and this dude is like kind of like just on the fringes of like kind of snapping, and I think part of that is is like people, a lot of people on that uh, political persuasion, it was so traumatic to have uh, Trump elected that th- I think they kind of told themselves that oh you know we'll get him impeached, we'll do this, and it's this kind of daily onslaught of like it's this battle and it's it's you know it's the the ban and then it's uh you know each, each kind of issue they have to fight over whether it's oh it's the healthcare thing and it's and, and they kind of thought like man we're you know this guy's crazy he's gonna he's gonna say crazy things and he'll get he'll be gone and they're kind of starting to realize oh he probably won't be gone and not only is he not gone but he's kind of winning because um, the kind of philosophy around a lot of the, the support behind him is the idea that they're happy that you're sad, right? This, this uh, the going to bathe in liberal tears, you know? So they're, they're living in, in schadenfreude and the liberals actually are fucking flipping out. Uh, <laughs> and amidst that, I, I, but I don't, feel as attached and as kind of combustible, you know, to kind of go back to what what I was talking about before about being kind of a passenger and being not as inflamed. And I'll be honest, I like my position, uh, partially because not, not because, um, I want to be a spectator or, um, you know, I guess, I guess my tendencies are to be non-activist, but what, what, what I'm saying is that I don't want my emotions to be the one driving the ship. And then I, and then once we're, we, we, we crash on the alien planet, I have to, then the rational me has to figure out how to get the fuck out. <laughs> um, so, so, in, so in that respect, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, but going back to my, my central question, what are the things that you should worry about? What are the things that you should be angry about? And, you know, and I had someone, I was talking to someone on Twitter and they were like, well, you should be angry by, you know, for example, you, you look at this, um, this situation with the families being split at the border. Right. And I, and I guess that's something, something many people are, are angry about. Should I be angry? Maybe. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not like, uh, things at the border have always been great. Um, and it's not like there's, um, I think, a simple solution to, to a lot of these problems. And But I think there's this idea that um, that you can get by on kind of empathy and compassion 
alone. And that's just not going to happen because if you were to take in empathically all the suffering that's going on right now, um, you couldn't get through the fucking day. You couldn't. Um, it would be it would be too hard, you know. So the truth is, we do compartmentalize, and we will say, okay, um, let's say there were some people who were who, families that were separated at the border when Obama was president, or that Obama dropped a you know used a drone to kill somebody, and and it's this idea of 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 selectively deciding when we want to be upset about a particular thing. It's not like people didn't get deported when Obama was president. Um, and I can listen, I can give you the whole reasoning why this era is much, much worse. Uh, and it is, it is much worse. And I, and I think we should, um, we should acknowledge that. But I think there is also this kind of Pavlov's response about once you decide what the narrative is and then say, all right, everything of this ilk, I'm going to kind of disallow my own agency from deciding how I'm going to react to what's happening. Um, I don't know. I think that that is troubling. And it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm just disciplined or maybe I'm just in a good place right now mentally. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I know when I'm the inverse of that, when I'm kind of a little more reactionary, I don't, I like this version of myself better because I think I have, a, I have a better way of looking at, 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 at what's going on. Um, so what I would, what I would, uh, not wouldn't say argue, what I, what I would task those listening to this to kind of do for themselves is actually think about the things that piss you off and then think about how you got there. Like, are you angry about these things because they actually affect you? Or is it because you kind of go, you know, you're, you're being fed what you, what you should be angry about, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's something, it's something, something to think about. And, um, I'm just, uh, I guess I would say I'm, I'm sad, but I'm, I guess I, I, I just wish, you know, people would kind of take some time, smell the roses and realize that there's really not that much shit to get pissed off about. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I should be pissed off at everything. I don't know. You know, I started this one with a lot of answers and maybe came away with more questions. And I guess that's what the X-Man is about, you know? Sometimes you, you think you got to figure it out and you don't know shit. So really just thinking out loud here, guys. Um, I don't know if that was my one of my better monologues or worst ones, but you know what? We got fucking through it. You know what else we're about to get through, guys? We're about to get through a motherfucking show sponsor that's right we have a band from new england in uh the united states that is the new england not the old england new england uh <laughs> these guys are called dead reflections and we're gonna play a song called carry the torch and it features joe isaiah of city of homes check this out <laughs>
So that was Carry the Torch from the band Dead Reflections. And that song features Joe Isaiah of City of Homes. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, that song uh, will be featured on a forthcoming album, which will be out in fall of 2018. Uh, you can check them out on facebook.com backslash Dead Reflections Official and deadreflections.bandcamp.com. And they have some shows coming up. They'll be playing July 28th at 13th Floor in Northampton, Massachusetts, October 12th at Cherry Street Station in Wallingford, Connecticut, and also October 13th. They'll be playing a house show, keeping it real, keeping it mad fucking core in Manchester, New Hampshire. So please check them out. Support the bands, the sponsors that support this show. If you are interested in sponsoring the X-Men, please hit me up on social media or drop an email to the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. With that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about our guest, uh, Mr. Zach Myers from Shinedown. I had the fortune of opening up for Shinedown going back about a month ago with Shinedown and Five Finger Death Punch. And, you know, I've known Zach kind of going back to like Nam years ago, like 2010, 2011. Uh, and we had met, but I don't know if he remembered me or not, but it seemed like just through the years, we kind of would just run into each other and he was always super cool. And, you know, he was just one of the dudes on, on the tour Like you know, we run into each other, hang out, chat up, you know, we have similar interests. You guys are here during the conversation. We talk basketball, we talk, you know, just industry. He's just, he's just a cool fucking cat. Um, shine down really I can't talk about how how good this band is live. It was it was really I'd say a, a learning experience for myself. Um, not really being a part of this kind of bigger arena rock world. And I'll tell you what, Shine Down these motherfuckers put on an arena rock show. They do not mess around. And he's a fantastic guitar player, fantastic musician, a great performer. And um, I'm really 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 glad that he took the time out of his busy day to uh, to do a little time on the X Men. So you know what. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to get right into the interview. Here's my conversation with Mr. Zach Myers. Zach, welcome to the X-Man podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, This tour is short. Yeah. It's only like two weeks. And I've we were in a van and we had bus problems and you everything. Guys have, you guys have been in more vehicles in two weeks than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. Now you're into this bus, which well, is nice. Well, it may it is a nice bus. Too bad we palatial. Only, apparently, I think this is nothing more's bus. Okay. And then now it's going to go to POD. All right. So we're the with with the miscreants in between. But because of that, it's been kind of difficult for me to get people on the show, and I hate bothering people. But I was like, last day, you were more the basically when me and you were talking the other day, we, we should talked just, about podcast. We should have just recorded that. Yeah, we should have had our conversation and then put it out. So I was like, all right. I gotta have this dude on, <laughs> on the show. So I, I did a little bit of research, but you were you were almost like offering pieces of your autobiography just in in conversation, talking about what you were doing before Shine Down. So, yeah. so you joined Th Shine Down on their third record, right? No, the second I joined record. Shine Down on. It, I, technically, I started touring with Shine Down on the first album. Oh, you were yeah. touring with them. Okay. Yeah. So oh four. Yeah. How did you know these guys? I was playing um, bass for Saliva 
when I met them, just filling in as a as a you know they're Memphis dudes. So oh yeah, up, so I was up, Memphis, yeah, right? So grew up with those guys, and I was filling in on bass, and that's when I met them, and that was right when the first record came out, so '03. And uh, then I started teching, being a guitar tech for Three Doors Down, and they were out with Three Doors Down. So we just kind of would talk every day and see each other in passing. And their bass player was having a baby, and they asked if I could fill in on bass. And I was like, I was like, I was just playing bass for Saliva as like a favorite. Like I'm not a bass player. And they're like, I can play bass, but I prefer. Yeah, yeah. Like, like all guitar players can play bass, but doesn't mean necessarily we're good at it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, we can I, I, do things on a bass. I think it's then, a little different when you're playing bass in a rock band because yeah. I think in a rock band you actually have to play bass. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. To, in a metal band, you can just basically play the riff, the the, the, the <laughs> low the low string, and you play the riff and be fine. Like, you know, do we know has Tom Araya played a bass lick? In all the years, no, of Slayer, it's, do we he know? just he just holds to hold it. He holds it down. But by the way, you know what? Shout out to Tom Mariah. Yeah, you know. Tom Mariah, congrats on your retirement. <laughs> I hope it's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, like you know, it, it was I was a lead guitar player, so it's like I could, I could do things tastefully and not do too much, you know. So it was that was kind of the thing. But when I played bass was live, it was I was just doing the I was doing the the metal thing. I was just riffing. Hold it down. Yeah. So and then when I met these guys, asked me to fill in. We didn't do a rehearsal and we didn't do a sound check. I literally went into a show with never playing with these gentlemen before and did a 15 song set and then on base. On base. <laughs> yeah. And uh then they asked me about 3 weeks later me and Brent were walking it was the last show and he's like I don't want you to leave and it was kind of this like you know romantic like movie moment, you know, <laughs> where I was like, you know, I was like, well, I'm not a bass player, and you have a bass player, and you also have a guitar player. It's like, well, what if you were like a, came in as like a second guitar player because you can sing too? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because you were a lead singer for another band. Though. Yeah, it was my Fare- own band, the Farewell, Farewell. And Zach Myers band, which is where I got signed when I was 14. You know, so so you're like a are you, are you a phenom? I think I was I was when I was younger. Now I'm just a dude who can barely play guitar, <laughs> which is that's that's funny because that's kind of what BB King told me when I was young. He was like. The best advice I've probably ever gotten was from B.B. King. He said, this is cute until your 18th birthday. Really? And he was telling the truth, you know, because it's like when you're a kid, it's a it's niche. You know, like it's a cool thing that you're, well, you're a Well, you're ahead of the curve. You're ahead of the curve, and it's cute because you're a kid. When you're 18, you're just another adult. Now you better be really good at your at your craft. Do you know, know Brooks Wackerman? Yeah. You know, So if you guys listen, Brooks Wackerman is the, the drummer for Avenged Sevenfold. Bad Religion. So and- I played with him with Rob Trujillo in this band, yeah. uh, Mass Mental. And I wasn't really, I'd heard his name at the time he was in Bad Religion and Tenacious D, but I didn't know he was in this teenage rock metal band that got signed and produced by Steve I when he was yeah, like yeah. 13 years old yeah. or something. I had, I had like no idea. Aggressive, like, yeah, yeah. It was, bugged, no, it was that kid from, Nickel, that was on Nickelodeon. He was in Terminator 2 yeah, as yeah. well. I mean, I'm wearing a Terminator shirt, yeah. but the, the, the kid with the red hair, he yeah, was the yeah. lead singer in this band. Anyway, enough, en- enough about him, but. You know, going back to your thing, you were a phenom and then you grew yeah, up. Yeah, so I just grew up and started playing. So for me, like, I was a singer and I think he wanted me to be in the band, even as a hired gun. So when I came in, I was just a hired guy. Like, I wasn't a band member, you yeah. know. And so I, I started doing that and then it turned into what it is now. And uh, 13 years later, I've been here. Yeah. yeah 13, 14. Well, years. so I don't often do research for this show. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. That's the best way to do it. it. Well, but I did do a little cram session oh, at four no. eight, four in the morning, going through the catalog, and even even touring with you guys. You're one of those bands where, even if you don't think you're familiar with the band, yeah. you've heard the song. We call ourselves a faceless radio band. <laughs> That's what we call ourselves. 
Is that good or is that is that good or bad? Is that is it better to be that that you can go to Walmart and not have people like up your ass or can, I, or are people up your ass at Walmart? It's in my hometown, sure, but like I, I tell people all the time, like so if me and you are walking around, okay, we're in where are we? Grand Forks, North Dakota, right now. If you, me, and you are walking around in a mall yesterday, and they people know there's a show here tomorrow, they're gonna put two and two together and think we're in a band. Yeah. But if I come to Grand Forks next week. No one's gonna. I could walk into a Shine Down store wearing a Shine Down shirt, and no one's gonna know who I am. You but know? you don't look crazy though. Like some people, like for example, Tommy and our yeah, band. Tommy's got tattoos on his head. Well, not that he looks like <clears throat> you know he came from like he's in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. You know he yeah. doesn't look like a normal person. Call it show ready. <laughs> he's always show ready. Um, for me, like uh, I I enjoy looking like a dad. Yeah, you know, because I am a dad. You know, so for me, like I don't. I used to. I used to always be show ready. Dude, bracelets, eyeliner, you know what I mean? Like the scarves, whole, dude. Scarves. Wrapped around my wrist, okay. dude. Bandit oh. chain wallet. Chain we wallet. We call it show ready, dude. I was always show ready. So like when Sound of Madness <laughs> days, I was like a show could break out in this parking lot of this FYE and I'd be ready to go. Yeah, did you so, have a six strings, you know, you were a traveling troubadour yeah, just yeah, ready to go? Yeah, I just in, in a case, you know? So for me, like, but I, I enjoy being in a famous band and not being famous. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually, uh, as a dad and a person who, spends a lot of time with my kid and goes out a lot you know i don't i don't want people taking pictures and listen i'm I'm not i'm not one of those guys that's like oh i don't want to be famous in this dark mood uh, i think it being famous is great i just i i prefer my life you know yeah. I, I really enjoy my life well the best i think what you're talking about in a sense is having the best of both worlds yeah. right so i can go to work and have stardom and i can step off stage and have anonymity and and, and anonymity you know what i mean and that's to me is that's the best you know yeah well you know, I just had Roy Mayorga yeah. from Stone Sour on the show, and I was just getting this whole world is new for me. Yeah. You know, so I remember the first time I heard Shinedown, I was, I was with my old God for, uh, band, God Forbid. We were playing Lunatic Luau. Yeah. 2004, it was an Ozfest yeah. off day. Slipknot was on that headline. Yeah. That day. So it was basically all the Ozfest yeah. bands, and you guys, were you playing this time? It's uh, I was there, yeah. Okay. So. I'm literally walking. So we're playing like the side stage, which is on this hill. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of the best shows probably we ever played. It was insane. Oh, wow. And I'm walking through the amphitheater and it was, I was literally stopped. I was, I think I might've just, just been walking through and I heard you guys do Simple Man. And oh, yeah. his voice, I was stunned. Like I, I couldn't believe it. And it. And at that point it made me, it was a stark realization that a band like Shinedown was in a different world or a different, like we were we were doing different things like we didn't and when yeah, you're yeah. that that screamy metal heavy yeah. mosh pit world it's just a different universe yeah. so for us to do something like lunatic luau which i think is more of a radio it's a radio show. it's a radio show right so we were kind of the outside looking in now i'm in a pretty heavy band yeah but we have the number one active rock song yeah. in the country we're on shows like this and actually doing well and having some interplay so i'm completely I'm just taking it all in. I it's guess it's a new world. Yeah, yeah, and and so no, but going back, like I said, doing my my little amount of research, going back and listening to the catalog, seemed like the earlier records was. I, I guess did you ever watch that um, documentary Metal Headbangers Journey? Yeah. So it had that one thing on. What was it post grunge? Is that yeah. what they called it? Yeah. Well, to me, everything is it's post. I call every music post folk as a joke <laughs> because, like, to me, the post thing is just. Well, well, I think that. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. So they did. They did the Metal Evolutions yep. TV series. Yep. They did the one uh, 
episode. Yeah. And I thought that that episode, well, actually, no, they did a grunge episode and they yeah. included a yeah. piece of it kind of. Did, did they talk to you guys for that? Uh, I don't know. I think they may have talked to Brent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I think <laughs> in a way, there's all subgenres get weird. Right, yeah. because almost no one wants to be associated with the thing because usually once it's passe, it becomes a dirty word yeah. or it gets in that particular genre, right? So you had Hootie, yeah, Days of the New, yeah, Nickelback was like I think probably Tantric, the, yeah, exactly. So you had a lot of bands that didn't really kind of make make the cut, but I think you listen to that the first record I went back to and it's it's not that, but yeah. it's enough of that oh, yeah. that you kind of get where it's coming from. But then I went through each record. And yeah. You see each record gets a little bit heavier yeah gets a little bit groovier yeah the uh the riffs get a little bit stompier yeah you know what what was the kind of key behind the evolution in in, in that is just personal preference or the changing of the scene or the band you were playing with i think it was it was a combination of two things i think it was the, a natural evolution of you know how how you play you, you've you've you know going from a metal to you're still in a metal band but you have some radio mystique now you're getting this thing you you'll kind of change a little bit of what you do are you saying you feel like like shine down's a metal band no i'm I'm saying like you understand how it feels to go from being in a metal oh, band I to being like a radio gotcha. slash metal band yeah you know so it's like you as a player you kind of become a chameleon to your background yeah. and for us i think the first record was came out in 2002 so 2002 is corn edema you know, uh, I don't know if Seether, I think Seether might have been out. You know, all these bands that were kind of that in, was the, everything. Yeah, in I mean, the same genre-esque of what we were doing. It's fine. We can and edit the, it, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we got Tommy Vex making an appearance yeah. on the on, on, on the podcast. We are just talking it's, about your tattoos on your head. That's right. We were talking about how you, can, how you can't go anywhere that you're a celebrity. Yeah. Celebrity Tommy Vex. Well, you, you, always, you can always be seen. Exactly. So I can put sleeves on and look like a dad, you know. See. I got them dad. I got them dad. I got that dad bod going on. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, well, you know, listen, it's already been on the internet. So, oh no, Lord, it's already been on the internet, man. It's all out there. Uh, you know, so for me, like with the band, like when that came out, that was the scene. You know, yeah. that that kind of dark. I don't want to say new metal because I hate that word, but it was that kind of. Post. It, had a, it had a little bit of a that. A little bit, yeah, sure. And then the second album, because we're from the south, the second album was very southern rock. Yeah. Like, but the second album was made in six weeks. And then with the third record, new bass player, old guitar player gone. Now it's just me and Eric, you know, and and Brent and Barry, you know. So it's for that was it, that the first one you wrote you started writing no no it was uh for us like that was like eric wasn't even in the band when we did the record so for for us like we also got a, a like a, a huge producer rob yeah. cavallo who had done he just did american idiot wow. you know what i mean so like he did american idiot he did black parade Jeez. he had like done these he did dookie you know he did dizzy up the girl by google dolls he had done these huge records so now it's like, and not saying like Bob Marlette did the first record, so that's a real producer too. And 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 Tony Battaglia, who did the second record, is a great producer. But like, this was like a different level, you know. And for that record, you knew from the start it was something special, you know. And usually that's not the way. Usually, most of the time, your first record is your big record. Most of the time, not all the well, time. If you're lucky, if you're lucky. But you know, for us, our re first record did well, but we were still playing. Well, it went platinum. 
went uh, double platinum. Double platinum. So, so you're. But that took a that that didn't it didn't go overnight. double platinum. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't it didn't come out and yeah. sell a million records a week. You know. Well, back then though, I remember records would germinate and take a while to hit. So I, a couple examples are the first Kid Rock record. Yeah. That took a, like three years yeah. to actually break. I mean, he was touring on that record for two years. Yeah. Uh, the first System of a Down record yeah. took a good year and a half yeah. to, to, to break. Uh, but that was also a time when, uh, in a sense, bef- when the internet was not that, oh, this mover of thing where things could not technically go quote unquote viral. Yeah, yeah. Even, even now I looked with the success of Zombie, it hit on the internet first, yeah. right? So all the places, YouTube, uh, iTunes sales, it was terrestrial radio that took three months to catch up. So if you're looking back That's then, the best way to do it though. Now yeah, it is, yeah. I think. You know, we gotta think, we built our band on the radio. So we built our band in a car traveling to every radio station. So ne- for now, like the best promotion you can have for your record is celebrities posting your record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's like you see like, dude, this Post Malone record the first week because everybody was posting about it. All the dude, other celebrities. It, and- yeah, it broke like the Spotify streaming record in the first week, and so that's kind of the best. You know, you guys going viral first is actually a good thing. Well, it put the the narrative we heard from uh, Jackie at the at um, at the management was saying basically radio was saying we're done with covers guys yeah. you've given us we're sick of covers we're sick of it and because all these other metrics yeah outside of radio were it was hitting number one they basically didn't have a choice so well, you want to be undeniable yeah your, your your goal always is to be undeniable and i think with covers you know i think with the radio they just kind of gotten like same thing with mo- the movie generation now like everyone's just remaking movies there's no original idea so you know i think the radio was getting kind of tired of covers but you know you guys had a song that was it was weird it's one of those songs that maybe everybody didn't play in their car every day like the cranberries version but everyone knows that song of course every person knows that song because it was so big in our generation the kind of what are we we're not generation x but we're like in between we're in between yeah. the millennials I'm yeah so I'm, i'll be 30 i'm 35 so i'm okay. not a millennial so i'm like they called it something i forgot the other well, day i, I was literally about. just who was i talking about this with uh the other day where we're that perfect age yeah. where we existed long enough in the pre-internet age yeah, yeah. to understand kind of the analog You're talking to me world. about it, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. okay, we're literally re- yeah, yeah. reliving this yeah. conversation and then we, we've lived long enough to be in the internet world. But half and half in each thing. But where we know? can adapt, yeah, yeah. right? So like I talked to my father, my father's, he doesn't get it. He, I have to kind of walk through him some stuff. Sorry, dad, I, I love you, yeah, but, yeah. but some people just, it's, too difficult to kind of really wrap their their head around it. So in a way, I think it's it's kind of good to be in this this middle ground. Yeah, you know, for me, like with the with the internet thing, it's it, it came along and I was kind of late to it. Yeah. You know, and especially on social media, like Shine Down was real late getting started on that. But with these day at this day and age, like I said, with the song Zombie, people know the song, and then you had the misfortune of Dolores dying, and it's like it sucks. And it's such a horrible thing, but like, what a great thing that it happened that you guys recorded that song and she was supposed to be on it. And it's like, it's, it's a weird, romantic, serendipitous tragedy. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's awful that it's definitive of of bittersweet. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You look up bittersweet in the dictionary and that's it. But you know what? 
it's cool that it's it it became a tribute yeah. instead of instead of a guest feature, which is amazing. And you know, and I think that had a ton to do with the song going to where it was. You know, was 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 people hadn't heard it in a long time, and then she passed, and she was supposed to sing on the song, and like that's going to interest people because she was you know she obviously gave it her endorsement. Yeah, you know, she was coming to sing on the song. Well, so. it was the last message she left before she died was her talking about how much she loved the song yeah and um and so it became this and that's i think the the element what worked for for us is it it literally becomes a story in a in a genre where there's not a lot of stories right so I yeah think that's I, that's a perfect way to put for, it like for, for and 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 that if you look at the way popular music has gone it's become dominated by individuals solo yep. artists yep. rappers no guitar well, no, no guitar. And but the thing is, a rapper can have a story. A country yeah, artist yeah. can have a story. And they're more in the business of telling stories. Yeah. Right. So those formats are more kind of con conditioned to that. Um, but no, but going, going back to what I was saying about you joining the band and even though it took some time, in a sense, Shinedown's kind of always been, you know, a plus at the leader of, of, of the pack of, of this industry. Is that something that, or am I, am I reading it wrong? I mean, in a way that? with radio, sure. But like in the, in the live setting, no, like you guys uh, really have to build. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, our band is, I'm doing a slow moving upward motion with my <laughs> hand right now. Our band has always been this. It's never yeah. been shoot to the top. Yeah. Like our bands, you know, we're a four wheel drive band. We're constantly climbing the mountain and, you know, up until the third record, which was, like I said, it's very rare that a third record is the record that breaks you, you know? So when we released the third record, that's when we got into arenas because we had a number one pop song yeah. in Second Chance, which is, I remember having a number one pop song was so cool because A, the day it went number one, Casey Kasem was retiring. So the last song Casey Kasem signed off the air with was Second Chance. Yeah. So for like that voice, that iconic voice from when I was a kid listening to American Top 40. And then, you know, you see, and then girls start to come to your shows. We were just a rock band, you know? So it was like, we didn't have like a, like good looking girls. I mean, you know, like we did, but it was like, you know, there'd be a hundred in a show of a thousand, fifteen hundred people. And then we start playing arenas and then it's thousands. You know what I mean? So you see the crowd shift because But that's what I'm saying. So you guys all right, so this disconnect yeah, between yeah. being a quote unquote radio band and this idea of the hardcore fan and being able to fill uh a, a giant venue. Cause there's some bands you look at like a pop evil yeah, or yeah. a hailstorm yeah. who gets played on the radio. And these bands do well. And get number ones too, yeah. But they're not headlining arenas yeah, yet yeah. so 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 clearly there is a distinction and is is it that hey we need to get a pop hit or we need to what and i i i say this as someone who i hadn't seen the band since that 2004 yeah, show yeah. and then a few weeks ago when we played i think fort rock yeah. together and you guys bring an energy yeah and a and a physical performance to the show that I don't see in that many quote unquote radio bands. I think Hailstorm has it. Yeah. They really bring an energy. But they're they're a four-wheel drive band too. Yeah. They're kind of like climbing that mountain oh, yeah, yeah. slowly. That's true. And they're starting to play bigger venues. That's but true. I get what you're saying. And I, I think what you just said is the reason we're in arenas is because yeah. 
we kind of have this no mercy and not in like, you know, five finger has it too. And, and more of like a metal way, Yeah. but we kind of have this take no prisoners attitude when it comes to the live show, you're going to get into the show and you're going to have fun. I don't care if you like our band or not. I'm playing to the person in the last row, just as much as I'm playing to the person in the first row. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of, I think where we built our brand, you know, I think we built it, you know, Brent's one of the best singers in rock and roll, Dude. you know, and, and he, honestly, one of the best front men too. Like he, he makes everyone feel like he's only playing for them, but he makes everybody feel like they're in the same family. Yeah. That's it's honestly, that dude is on some next level shit. Dude, he's, and he, here's the thing, man, is the craziest. He means every word of it, man. Like yeah. none of that shit is put on. Like he is the most genuine person when it comes to fans. Like, this is all he wants. He wants Shine Down and Shine Down's fans and people who aren't Shine Down fans to be Shine Down fans to be a family. And so when he says stuff on stage, like that that shit is real, man. Like he means every word of that. I but think you he can be, feel it. Too. I think he should be president. The way that dude talks to the crowd, he's <laughs> he, like he never, all the women. He never wants to do that. And all the dogs. Yeah. yeah. And all the clouds. Yeah. And the rainbows. We yeah. will get together and we will march. And yeah. I'm like, let freedom ring. Yeah, yeah, no. He's like, <laughs> he makes you believe it, man. You know, and and that's the that's the beauty of that's the beautiful part about him as a front man. It's like he says something, and you're like, yeah, like like even on nights where he's like, he'll get off on it some nights, and he'll like the 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 path will kind of make a left, and I'm like, we always joke that we have a wrap it up button like on the Chappelle show. We're like, all right, wrap it up, B. When Probably you guys are doing those little in between jams, jams and stuff, are yeah. those on like a clicker in nah, there, or is it no. all just free flow? Nah, we're just we're just going. Okay. Yeah, they, they they can turn into a mess too, but um, no, it's we you know the rest of the show is on a click. Yeah. You know, well, the not we don't we don't like there's some bands that like the whole show once the show starts it doesn't stop the click just keeps running yeah. even with segues we don't do that all the jam stuff is just us playing as a three piece. Yeah. And then him him doing his thing, but. The rest of the songs are gonna click because we run string tracks and and like weird key stuff and stuff that obviously we can't have people do live. So when we get to jam, it can go off the rails just because we're having so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. So being in the realm you're in in this this world, you guys are making a record. Is and this is the same question I asked, asked Roy because, like I said, I'm I'm kind of new to this world. Is there a pressure to saying we have to write hits? It's no. not just we can't write a song we like. We have to write hits. And is there some, and you guys have been on Atlantic, right? Basically the, the whole time, the, the whole time, which is still to this day. Almost never happens in, yeah. in six records, any label or, or and they just gave thing. us two more. That's amazing. Yeah. Is that something that hangs over the band's head no. when you're writing? Um, no, here's why though. When I say this, I'm not, this isn't, you know, uh, me just trying to massage uh, the shoulders of, what I think is the greatest label ever. They're the greatest label ever. You know, we have never had pressure from our label. Have you had the same a &R person? Guy, yeah. One AR guy. One &R that guy. literally every time I've heard about a band signed to a a, a major they somebody leaves and then no, no, but like immediately on the first record. <laughs> the guy gets fired or whatever. But the whole team, I hear the, the whole, whole team, yeah. And we've had the same team. I mean like a couple people have come and gone, like, you know, like our our um our head of sales or like our our our, you know, uh um, I don't know why I can't think of the word. Uh, like our our content people and maybe the art director and then the um, the head of uh, the um, I don't know why I can't think of it. Uh, Chris Brown is, is our our guy now, but he's um though that position changed only once. And then our A and R guy's been the same. Our president's been the same. Our CEO's been the same. Like, you know, and we're and we're 
with Atlantic, like we talked to Craig Kalman, we talked to Julie Greenwald. Julie Greenwald was with Jay Z, you know, she, which we just had. We, they did, gave us a bunch of awards recently, and Julie said the only other artist she's made six albums with is Jay Z, and I was like, that meant so much to me, you know. But for us, like with the the label, they've never given us a clock, never put a clock in the room when we're making a record. I mean, like, hey, we gotta have this, yeah. we gotta meet our quarter, we need you to sell records, you know, and and with the hits thing. We want to write hits. It's never like they're like you like. That's the types of songs you like. Yeah, because we're we're we grew up on the radio, you know. And you know, listen, Eric and I, who are the the main musical writers in the band, you know, dude, our both of one of our favorite bands is Glassjaw, for both of us. But we know we can't do that. But we can still put those influences in a listen, song. Glassjaw you know? has some hits. It's just no one heard the. No hits. one heard them. Yeah, like you know, Eight Dose Mill is a hit. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, that. Uh, I mean, every, every song on that record to me, Mew Empire could have been a hit. You know what I mean? Dude, like, it's, you know, jam. those, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Me and Eric are heavily, one of Eric's favorite Bring bands them on is Machine tour. Head. Oh, dude. Would, would we, they do it? Do no, think? they wouldn't do it. They're, that's the thing is like, <laughs> I love Daryl and I love those guys, but I think if I was like, hey, we want to bring you on tour, I think Daryl would probably be a little elitist about it. Well, I don't listen, think he, he would do it. But Daryl, I'm asking you right now if you tour with us. Well, I'm gonna get him on the show. All right, and good. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring this bring up. This and I'm up gonna, to I'm him. gonna put, put the screws. In. I'm like, yo, man, do you not like playing in front of ten thousand people? Come I don't on. know if he does. Yeah. Well, it's actually yeah for some people. They I think it's don't like, like it. a. Tr I don't think it's elitist with him. I think it's like a real a real thing. I think he likes the more intimate. Well, they've been shows. doing. They've been. They opened up for Coheed, and that they was. Did. You know, Coheed's doing band. like they're doing like three thousand. Another band we're night. trying to bring out. Yeah. I'm friends with those guys, and I. I have a Kohi tattoo no actually shit. on my shoulder. Yeah, That's... I got it for my son. But you know, for you know, back to the the hit thing. Like, we we're inspired by a hit song. You know, like I I love big choruses. I love big guitar riffs. I yeah. love guitar solos. But we try to find, we find a way to make it our own. My favorite thing about Shine Down and the biggest compliment I've ever gotten is no one can ever say we sound like another band. Yeah. And that's like the like to me. There's no better compliment than me. Like, I've never heard Shine Down. Somebody, oh, they kind of sound like blank. Well, no, it's the opposite. Usually, people are like, oh, that band sounds like Shine Down. Yeah, yeah. That's usually it's, what it's, you what you hear. But that's amazing, you know. The and I don't take that. I don't think other people. I hope they don't take offense to that. That would suck. But for us, like to be an influence to anybody. But like, I've never been like, oh, Shine Down sounds like STP or they sound like the Foo Fighters. Yeah. They sound like Soundgarden. You know what I mean? Like, I've never heard that, which is. To me, like that's the best compliment you have. Saying somebody you don't sound like somebody. So, I uh, I've been hearing Devil before, obviously before the record came out. And by the way, congratulations on your guys' uh, first week. Thank uh, you very top much. Top five. Is that, yeah, that the number biggest? Four, yeah. Or number four? Um, was uh, that the no, biggest? No, we had a number three with Amaryllis. Well, either way, it, we it, couldn't it, get past Post Malone, dude. His second week was dude. still did like 170,000 records. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But congratulations anyway. You um, as well. You don't know your numbers yet, but you will know tomorrow. We will We will find out. But um, Devil, I think it's the best song the band's ever written. Thank you. <laughs> it's my favorite. Thank sorry. you. I don't want to say it's the best song. It's my favorite right. song. I'll take that. And I know you guys definitely believe in it because you fucking close with it, which yeah, is yeah. Basically, no one ever does that. Close with a brand new, new with a, new with, song, with a brand yeah. new song, um, and then going through the the record, attention, attention. Uh, one, I, the fucking production's insane on the it's record. All our bass player, dude, sounds ridiculous. Um, I notice it's getting there's a little more kind of electronic stuff in there. There's that a, started on the last record. It did start on last last record, but that song in particular, Devil. There's like a heavy, deep like this halftime groove to it that yeah. just that's really slams 
and it kind of feels I don't know it just feels modern yeah in a sense is that purposeful or is that like almost like I hear a little muse stuff yeah, in there oh, yeah. I hear a little bit I guess I guess because you're there's this kind of changing in the guard in yeah. what is considered to be rock yeah. right so you got your Imagine Dragons and your yeah. 21 Pilots do you feel like pressure to keep up with the Joneses in that realm like you said before about hey there's not guitars are almost like not welcome in these yeah, other yeah. realms and stuff i think on threats of survival which is the last record we started experimenting with the electronic stuff and because it was fun and honestly probably the most natural record we've ever made yeah. none of us were ever really in the same room at the same time because we we had five different producers so it was like which i i loved because it was like you, every guy's different you know you know you've made records you know so it's like when you're making records like every guy has a different thing but like i would be in doing guitar on two songs one day and then bear would be setting up to do drums with the next producer for these next three songs and then eric would be cutting bass for like a guy who was doing five songs you know and so we started experimenting on that and i think people got a little weirded out by it because we i like it i think i can i think i, thought, I think threat's a great record for for what it is i think in the arc of our career it people will think it's weird yeah but for me like I love it and I wanted to get away from big guitars on that record and it wasn't because of like this Imagine Dragons thing started happening I just kind of really liked that Jack White approach to guitars and I was getting into that this one note small amp with a fuzz pedal and making one amp and like this tiny little speaker sound huge yeah almost like a minimalism yeah yeah less is more and and it's funny because you know you guys are you guys are starting a band in this in the in the age of the internet where there's a portion of the internet that has the shittiest opinions ever, you know? And it's like what'll happen is when we did that, people were going, There's too much production on this record. And they don't know what the fuck the word production means, by the way, because Threat to Survival had the least I mean, literally, you want to talk about that was basically a demo record. Like wow. it was literally the least amount of production, but people hear a synth and go, That's production. Yeah. You know, but on attention, attention. I think we kind of took the best of the both worlds. We took the the riffs and the heavy guitars of Sound of Madness and put them on this. And the, there's a ton of guitar solos on this record too. And then we mixed them with those influences, you know, like a song like Black Soul, which has this intro. But then when the chorus kicks in, it's like the heaviest guitar ever, you know? Well, I'm, I just, when I was listening to it last night, I was like, all right, I need to start digging into this record. You're like, you're like the James Lipton of podcasting. You're like, <laughs> you're digging deep on everything. Well, I, like I said, it, it's it's I, for certain things I have to do a little bit of research just to know what I'm talking yeah. about and be able to be able to reference certain things. And it's also a great way to kind of, um, you know, just have a, a sense of the history, especially yeah, yeah. someone like you who's been doing it for so long. So I don't have that much more time because I actually have to play you gotta a little go bit. on stage. I, dude. Yes, but here's the thing: you gotta this go is, rock to ten thousand people tonight. This is this is a priority. We, so we got to talk a little hoops before you oh, go. Yeah. Like me, you are an NBA junkie. I am. Um, you were you were telling me, you know, you see, guys, you, you don't know what happens backstage. I get to talk to Zach. He's like, yo, man, you know, I'm talking to uh, my friends from the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm <laughs> hanging with this dude and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm jealous of his life. And I'm like, I want to hang out with uh, Marcus Gasol and, you know, Mike Connolly and, uh, you know, all the, all all, the, all these people. So what how are you feeling right now about what's going on with the Grizzlies organization? I'm a little sad that we got the fourth pick and we were we had a 25 percent chance to get the first pick. 
Who is it? The, the Kings moved up and the Suns moved up? Suns got the first pick. I think yeah. the Kings got the second. Or I don't think. Here's Atlanta the, got the second. So here's the thing. Fuck of the Kings because they've been fucking up. They've been getting top five picks for like 10. Forever. For like 16 years. Doesn't matter. For 60 years, yeah. I feel like. The Suns, I think, are a good organization. Who's I don't had like a Devin little, Booker. Dude, yo, listen, man. He can, put the, he can put the rock in the hole, man. I don't like his attitude. I mean, you know, listen, he's a kid. So I, I can't say that. He's a great player, though. It's weird, They've man. kind of blown it with a there's couple picks, dudes, too. There's dudes. Yeah, they have, too. So, but the Grizzlies are the worst. We have literally, <laughs> dude, I promise you this. Look up worst draft history. Oh, I think, so the year we took Hashim the beat. <laughs> Hold on. You know what? We're gonna keep, we'll keep talking, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. That one up. is rough. That one's I'm gonna, rough. I'm going to look this up. We'll keep talking about it. So for me, like, I hope. I think that we're going to be great next year. I think we we kind of you're going to be great next year. I think what we're going to be great. Mean? I think we pulled out of. Do you know how many good teams are in the West Conference? You could win. You could be, you know, five hundred and still finish eleventh. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know. I think I think we're a good team. We've always made it to the playoffs the last the last eight years. So here here's here's what I'm saying. All right. So here's the picks. Right. So this is we we had the second pick. No, I know this draft. This is brutal. 2009. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now the podcast about nothing your favorite podcast's favorite podcast do you enjoy nothing (laughs) so do we why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts thank you great draft we chose Hashim the beat tall tall man yeah who Works at like Walmart or Menards now. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Over James Harden. Yeah. Tyreek Evans. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Rubio. Okay. A Stephen Curry. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but don't he's going to be great one day. At least uh, you didn't take Johnny Flynn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's also true. DeMar DeRozan, Brandon Jennings, okay. uh, Austin Day, who I still would have taken, James Johnson, who ended up playing for us, Ty Law, Drew Holiday, Jeff Teague, 
Darren Collison. Literally everyone behind Shashim the Beat would have been a better well, who was the pick. other? So Minnesota took Johnny Flynn and then one other scrub point guard, right? Yeah. They took that, someone else. Yeah, Johnny Flynn was a really So you got – listen, you, I get it. It's yeah. hard. Listen, I'm a Knicks fan. We've taken – we've missed – we've whiffed on a lot of people too. Well, you have a great coach now. Thank, thank the Lord. Uh, David, Shout out to David Fizdale. David, David Fizdale. So me and you, we were having a LeBron – yeah. Conver- conversation yeah. about what what the you're gonna theory make, you're is. gonna make me give my Le- where I think LeBron's gonna be. Yeah, let's let's hear it. Let's hear the. Uh, I think LeBron James. Oh oh, oh I'm glad you specified. Uh, <laughs> not LeBron Edwards. LeBron no, Le- James. LeBron Edwards. I think LeBron James will be in Philadelphia next year okay. or in Los Angeles. I'm not gonna say okay, Lakers but or Clippers. Can I can I can I come at you real quick yeah. though? But those are the ones people are talking about the most. That's not really a bold statement. It's not, but I because I think it's true. I, I wish I could say I think LeBron's going to go to the Pacers. You know what I mean? Like I wish I could say, well, but I, all right, I so think okay. If, where if, do you, where would you like him to go if you could choose? Because I like Philadelphia as a team, I'd like him to see go. To Philadelphia. Okay, but how does I? Here's why I think Philadelphia. Even though I don't think it's a terrible place to go, I think right now. With the way LeBron sucks up all the oxygen in the room, rightfully so, that his skill set and Ben Simmons' skill set are redundant. And I think he would actually stifle I his development. I agree with that. And I love Ben Simmons and I love Joel Embiid. But could you? But, oh, I think, sorry. I think Brett Brown as a coach can handle LeBron. Really? I do. I think Brett I, Brown as a coach. Just got his lunch fed to him by fucking Brad Stevens. That's true. Well, right, they lost three games. Brad they Stevens won. is the best young coach out there. I know, but come on, you and got people. I saw something the other day. Like, is uh, is Brad Stevens getting too much credit? No, fuck no. no. He needs more. He's credit. a great coach, dude. His two best players are out. One of them got injured game one. Hold on, actually, can we can we come out the gate and say say a few things? Yeah. One uh, about this because I think that there's a little. There's a way to analyze the success with Boston that we have to kind of think about differently from from my perspective. Yeah. One, um, essentially ter- uh, Terry Rozier is giving you about 85% of Kyrie Irving's production. Yeah. But guess what? That dude is like all world defense. He yeah. is a great defensive player. You're so, me of Tony Allen. Okay, so you're so so let's talk about that. So you so you lose Kyrie, but then you don't really lose much on the offensive end and get a lot more defensive end. So that's kind of a bonus. Now, now let's hold on. I'm, I ain't done yet. Let's let me right, get into right, it. Right. I think you could argue that Tatum and Jalen Brown are as good as Gordon Hayward. Yeah, but it takes two of them. What do you mean it takes two? I don't think you mean just Jalen Brown is as good as Gordon Hayward, I or think Tatum both, and Jalen Brown. I are think as good as I think both those guys are all individually. Star, all, they are all star level talents, and it's not that in having, the East. Well, I'm just saying in general. Like overall, if, you, if think, you look at their potential, the way think, they are, playing, you think Tatum's an all star player overall. I think they are. They are playing like all stars. This dude, what he scores twenty points a game yeah. seven times in a row. He's he's basically having the best rookie campaign in the playoffs. What since Magic Johnson or some shit? Everybody needs a shot, though. You know that's. The, I've always said that, man. I, I got so mad at the Grizzlies. We we would get all these young players and never play them. And it's like these guys have to have a chance to develop. Yeah, I and agree. when they develop, they have the best seasons of their life. Dude, Tyreek Evans came back to the Grizzlies this year and had the best season of his career. But you gotta keep in mind with with Tyreek, 
pretty much it seemed like everything with him was um, internal. Like he had tr- some drinking issues. He yeah, had some injury. Of, yeah, abuse. But it seemed like he was going through some personal. Yeah, things. but I mean, uh, you know, listen, basketball is basketball. You know, no one thought a word about Jeremy Lin until he was the most talked about person in the NBA a couple seasons ago. But I was honestly, here's the thing about Jeremy Lin. I think the biggest thing he had going against him, racism. Yeah. I think people looked at an Asian guy and kind of not a big Asian guy. But for a point guard, six three, six four, yeah, yeah. he had he has great size yeah, yeah. for a point guard. But he's not he's not this dominant Yao Ming guy. So yeah, yeah, I think I think the I think the I I don't know. Is there a difference between racism and racial stereotype though? I think there are. So is one actually, is one is one like a lighter punch in the face? I right, guess so is actually, what I'm asking. So I actually started writing a book about racism, right. and I created a. I'm not done with it. And we I'm talked barely, about Martin Luther King the other night. Obviously, Martin Luther King is. is probably my one of my heroes my, is one of my heroes but maybe my all-time hero so i'm i'm incredibly against racism um but i started i wrote a chapter it's called Re- redefining racism all right and stereotyping is essentially instead of saying the problem is people look at racism and think that a things are racist or b they are not race racist but there's actually a spectrum all right so stereotyping is a form of racism but is it I hate you and want to burn your family down. No, not exactly. But I think there is racism. It's the same thing like white men can't jump, right? Yeah, or so dance. They, so what they do is, yeah, they'll find the ringer. Let's find the goofy white dude. Yeah. And our stereotyping or racism that assumes someone is bad at something yeah. is allows people to not, that little, the, the eye test, you know, disallows us from looking at their ability and just saying, hey, if we, it'll disallow coaches and people of giving Jeremy Lin a chance. Yeah. Uh, I think so too, but I, I I definitely think there's a place where funny stereotypes are in place for a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like I think they're and and what I mean by that is to be broken. You know what I mean? So like you got Jeremy Lin who's like, oh yeah, this Asian guy, like he's just on the team because he was a great player for what he did, and he's a great backup. And then the kid comes in and like literally takes over the NBA. I don't remember a headline for six weeks that wasn't about Jeremy Lin. Yeah, you know, and I and and. It, I like it goes back to what I was saying though. I think these kids need a chance to play. You talk about Tatum and you talk about Rosier. What about Fultz? Do you think Fultz should have played in that series? He was healthy. Maybe. Maybe. I don't I don't know. Or, or is the pressure of the moment maybe a little too much for someone who barely played in the regular season? I don't think he, I I don't I don't think the outcome would have changed and I don't think that it would have been you know what I mean? Like I I think the pressure might have been a little much. Yeah. But like you don't you never know until you play those you got to play those people in those moments. And I I'll be honest, man, I think your litmus test can only be one game. I don't I like I like people are like, "Oh, give him another chance, give him another chance." But like you put somebody in a high pressure moment like that and you you let them play ball, they're going to do their best. And granted, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out because people are going to play defensive sets. People are going to play different every night. You know, Cleveland creamed the Celtics last night. But the two games before that, the Celtics just trampled the Cavs. Well, truth be told, the the uh, Cavs were up like 11 points, and then LeBron James basically got his head taken off. It, was, yeah. it wasn't the same. I think that for I think yeah. if LeBron never would have got hit in the neck, they they might not ever lost that lead. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, I, that, I watching that injury. You talking about where he, where he shoulder checked when he got shoulder yeah, the checked? The dude in had the face. 20, 32 points in the first half. Yeah. Oh no, that game was starting to get ridiculous. But you knew he was going to do that. Anytime he comes out and has a bad game like that, and he says he's going to come out and do something that game, he does it. You know, that's kind of like, you know, that's the guy that can put a team on his back and literally carry the team. 
but he's also the guy who can get a whole team traded <laughs> away, you know. So it's it's um it's an interesting dichotomy to see. I I think that a determined Le- LeBron James will jump over any wall except for the Warriors. You know, like yeah. he's got to have the help of everybody else to beat the Warriors. So so real quick before we go, so we have four teams left, the final four. Does yeah. anyone have a chance to beat the Warriors? I said yesterday I don't think Boston has a chance at all, but I could be very wrong. Does Houston have a chance? Houston has a great— I think Houston has a—I think Houston may have the only chance to yeah. beat the Warriors. But then again, listen, I have two sports rules in my life, and they've been the same for probably the last 15 years. I'll never in my life bet against Tom Brady <laughs> in the history of Pretty betting. Pretty good rule. And I'll Unless never, it's the Giants, yo. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never in my life bet against LeBron James. Okay. Ever, even if he loses, like I, I, the, those are just the dudes you don't bet against because they're the super, they're the supermen of of their craft. You now, know? now is let's say uh, Golden State wins this year, maybe wins next year, or the year after. Will that experiment or that really fluke of what happened of of Kevin Durant going there when he did has, has this been good for the league or bad for the bad league? for the league? Okay. We're, we're uh, I, it's good for the the team. Well, it's, it's, good. it's actually good for the NBA because the people uh, pay attention. Well, people like the people who are the fairweather fans who are yeah. not necessarily paying attention to it like dynasties. I'll be honest though, but I think the regular NBA fan stops watching. No, so we I don't. Think it, no, we don't. Uh, I'll just keep watching, even though I know it's gonna. I'll be mad. <laughs> you know who's gonna win? You know, it's like it's. T- listen, the Warriors are the Western Conference All Stars. I mean, literally, you give them a center from another team. And that's the Western Conference. That's literally a Western Conference all-star starting lineup. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I get it, you know, and I get what Durant did, but it's like, you know, I, to me, he lost and he joined the other team that beat him. You know, it's never, I don't think it's ever happened. Like where the, where the superstar that should have won, they were up 3-1, yeah. went to the team. I, I, was, I said this, the equivalent would have been – if LeBron would have went to the Boston Celtics when they beat him, when they beat him in the, the 2009, twice. yeah, right, two times or something, yeah, they beat they, him, yeah. that would have been the equivalent of that, and, you, know, you know, or if Jordan would have joined the Detroit Pistons, you know, if and, Magic would have went to the Celtics, yeah, you know what I'm saying? If Larry Bird would have went to the Lakers, you know, it's like it's that thing of like you know, remember when we were kids and we played baseball, and you know, you'd always play the team down the street or whatever. If you, you know, I played a lot of backyard baseball, so we do that. And it's like if I got beat three times in a row, and I was like, I'm gonna join my older brother's team because they're the team that's winning. You know, it's like I felt like that's what he did. He says that isn't what he did, but it's, of course that's what he did. You know, he 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 was one of those guys that praised the Thunder and then went awry. You know, so it's like I don't know what he's gonna do, but it's obviously a good fit for him. And then, like I said, yeah, they're, they're, they're undeniable. They're, I mean, you know, like literally it's, you want to talk about a team where two of the best players can be hurt and they can still beat a team by 38 points. I think Durant or Curry could be injured. And they'd still be fine. They would still be the favorites. Yeah. And they could still probably win the finals. Yeah. No, I like think that's insane. Yeah. It's absurd to think about that. Well, anyway, we're going to end this podcast on the idea of absurdity. And uh, being upset, and uh, not we're not wishing that there's an injury, but we would definitely like things to be more interesting. Zach Myers, thank you for being on the X Men podcast. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, let's do it. Peace.
face. Cause it's about to get heavy! And that was the single Devil by Shinedown from their most recent album, Attention, Attention, which came out a a couple months ago. And I fucking love that song. It's a banger. And it was fantastic to speak with uh, Zach. He's a really, really cool dude. Uh, So talented. So, so humble. So down to earth. And um, yeah, definitely check them out. I think they're out with Godsmack right now. And uh he is the man. And guys, get to it. I am so tired right now. It's like three in the morning. Shot. You know, it's not dot coil. This one, this is shot coil. You know, just running out of energy, stumbling, mumbling. It's, it's you know, it's just quite embarrassing. But real quick before I go, I saw I have to shout out our other show sponsor, rockabilia.com. You know them. You love them. They have half a million items. These are the real deal. This is licensed directly from the bands. Right now, I'm currently wearing a Night of the Living Dead t-shirt I got from Rockabilia when I ransacked the warehouse. It is badass. You know what I also tried on? I got this shirt. It was supposed to be for Tommy. Well, actually, no, let's not, I'll tell the real story. I found an Aliens shirt. See, there's Alien, right, and Aliens, which I, the sequel, that's my favorite. And it was XL. Usually, I wear a large. So, like, oh, I'll get the shirt for Tommy. But it was too small for him. 
So I got to keep it. So I did that thing where I got something for someone else that I really wanted for myself and then ended up working out that way. And I wore the alien shirt. And I got a lot of compliments because that shit is dope. All right. And you too can go get it at rockabilly.com. And you should do that. And you should go over there and buy the exclusive Bad Wolves design we have over, over there. And you can get 15% off with our discount code PC Jabberjaw. Again, that's PC Jabberjaw. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I really love you. I love the support. Been out on the road, been meeting some X-Men fans. And guys, and guess what? This month just had, again, the biggest month ever in the history of the X-Men show. So give yourselves a round of applause. I do appreciate it. Now I'm going to go get some sleep because I'm eating Doritos and Oreos and Coca-Colas. This is really deplorable. Don't mm-mm. do better than me. All right. Keep jogging and, um, you know, doing sit-ups and, and get on the juice cleanse. Maybe I'll do a juice cleanse, you know, do, do that shit. I'll get some, uh, where, where the hell healthy people go? I don't know. I used to be healthy. I don't know what happened guys. It's just these days off. You're so, so tired and shot. You just, you just, you just let go. So I'm going to feel bad about myself for a little bit and then I'm going to get back on it tomorrow. Going to get back on it. Do it for the team. Right on. And um, with that sad failure, Mamba is just, he's just out. Mamba's, Mamba's, Mamba's out. Sorry, guys. Good night. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now in Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.